Hello, welcome to Capel Live Chat. My name is Victor. I'm your host for today. And together with us uh, is Mr. Larry Choi. And today we're going to deep dive into the topic of leadership. But before we do that, let me first just uh, introduce uh, Larry. Right. Um, so Larry is currently the director and CEO of ISIS Yusuf Bishop Institute. He's also the head of the ASEAN Study Center and Singapore APEC Study Center at the Institute. So uh, I want to welcome you, Larry. So Larry, I understand that um, when I look at your leadership journey, it's really quite amazing. Right, let me just share that with our viewers. So Larry, I know that you, you started your career at the Singapore Armed Forces, right? And you held various appointments. And after that, you were Director of the Security and Intelligence Division in MINDEF before you became a Permanent Secretary in the Ministry of Transport. Right? And following that, you had another uh, role. You became Permanent Secretary in the Ministry of Environment and Water Resources. And after all of this, and currently now you are you know, at uh, Yushok Institute. So when I think about all this, it's like, wow, such a, such a journey because it's so different in the culture, in the sectors. And um, as we deep dive into this topic of leadership, I want to start by asking you, how do you adapt you know, as a leader um, in all these very different kind of sectors? Yeah, share with us some stories if you have. We'd love to hear them. Well, first of all, thank you very much for the opportunity to share and to have some uh, discussion with you, Victor. Um, in my view, uh, every leadership situation is different and therefore may require different approaches and also perhaps different styles. So, for example, one dimension is the size of the organization, right? So a smaller organization actually requires a more personal contact, direct verbal communication, whereas uh, in larger organizations, uh, that will require influence actually from a distance, you know, normally exerted through things like recent written messages or videos, and perhaps even more recently through the use of uh, social media. So for me, within the Ministry of Environment, if I may talk about that, um, the Ministry Headquarters was small and all the staff were located actually just in two levels of the same building. So okay. this made it easy for me to walk around, to talk to people, rather than to uh, call them on the phone or send them an email for some types of the communications that I wanted to make with them. I think this was not the style of my predecessor so at first the staff oh. were not very used to it <laughs> that i would walk up to them in their cubicle so i i wanted to make them comfortable by just asking my assistant to call ahead just to tell them i'm you know so I'm coming over <laughs> so you know they have a bit of early warning and uh but after a while uh, i think the staff got used to it and uh, sometimes i would just walk around casually or so so that we could have uh, you know sort of just uh, almost like random discussions <laughs> when I had the time to do that. Mm. Uh, so that's for a small, a small headquarters staff. But also within the ministry of environment, uh, one of the things I realized is that I also needed to do outreach to a more uh, wider group of uh, staff outside of my headquarters, as well as also to the public. Um, and largely that would be through the use of social media as oh. a relatively more older person 
using social media uh, was not something that came naturally to me. Taking that you know the appropriate type type of photos, including selfies, composing posts that are interesting, uh, sharing them on my personal social media account. This was something I had to learn from scratch. Um, usually from younger uh, colleagues, in order to be able to communicate with the wider ministry staff and also to others in the public sphere. So at, at first, it was really most unnatural for me, but over time, it flowed more easily. So perhaps just one more example. Okay. In environment, I also had to adapt to giving talks to, um, you know, sort of in a more casual and informal context. Whereas my public speaking um, in my earlier stints in defense and in uh, transport required more formal speech making, you know, and careful crafting according to the audience. My time in environment required more engagement in smaller groups, in town halls, and also in events. So this required a different approach and style. Which I had to gradually get used to, and also to improve upon, because I, I, I guess I, I wasn't used to it at the beginning either. I think what remains unchanged for me through all these experiences I've had is that people are people, wherever they work, whatever is the content of their work, and uh, connecting with them in the best way possible is always important for a leader. Hmm. So I seem to hear very common threads in these stories, right? And and the, I think the last one is something I love. It, it feels like that's a leadership mindset you have, right? Like connecting the best way possible to people. People are people, and I, I that really came across. It's almost like the different story that is the, the common thread. You know, you use that as a, a leadership value or, or mindset. If I use that right to kind of uh, help you adapt, right, to the different contexts. At least that is the kind of how I take away from your story. Like uh, that's that seems to be something wow, quite inspiring. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and I'm wondering now, you know, uh, because you have to adapt constantly. Okay, my maybe my assumption is you have some, you know, you you will know where you get. Uh, you're going to a different sector, right? Uh, there'll be some kind of preparation. How do you prepare yourself before moving into all these seemingly very different contexts? What will you, you know, share with us some stories about that? Well, uh, one thing I really believe in is uh, knowing your staff as a leader. So for me, myself, I had to learn many new things about the different sectors that I moved to, or even when in the same sector new things happen in the sector, I also needed to then learn new things as well. So. Just uh, maybe a few examples. Uh, one is um, I was uh, involved in security work in the defense ministry when the September 11 attacks, terrorist attacks, took place in New York and Washington, oh. and that actually changed the world uh, as it was, particularly in the world of uh, security. Yeah. So in order to adapt, I. Had to acquire new knowledge, and new competencies. By learning about, uh, in that case, um, you know the deviant extremist belives, mm. the Al Qaeda group, 
as well as their uh, various affiliates and offshoots in our own Southeast Asian region. Hmm. And this really meant uh, reading up on the history, reading up on the political context in which these Vidivian beliefs uh, arose, and how these uh, groups like the Al-Qaeda came about um, as events happened uh, in history. So that's one example of some learning something new. Hmm. Uh, similarly, when I first joined the uh, Transport Ministry, I had a lot to learn about the past policy thinking and also the past policy decisions that led to the structure and the context of the transport scene at that time. Um, and that that was something that uh, required going back into you know previous files and talking to people who were involved in those earlier decisions so that I could really absorb uh, you know the, what what was it that led to the current situation beyond that um, there's also a, I would say a, another uh, dimension which is to really learn the I would say the the basics and the instincts so that required for me to read books some of them literally textbooks to understand um, about the economics of the industries uh, so the air transport industry, the maritime transport industry. And also oh, that's the, a lot to read. <laughs> a lot to read. Um, but there are some uh, uh, very good guides. And also uh, to learn about the policies and the practices in other jurisdictions, other countries, where they have faced similar problems, but they may have either a similar solution or perhaps a different solution. And to just have that awareness as part of uh, you know my shall we say my background knowledge to be able to uh, lead in this uh, situation and in this mm. sector so in addition to that of course there's always also a need to understand the ground situation especially for public transport it's a very publicly uh, shall we say rather sensitive issue the public is always uh, aware of how it is functioning and also has comments to make on it so i started taking public transport regularly myself in order to oh. experience it and to be able to see the perspective of the users in the system wow, wow. you know as, as i hear you first thing i guess uh, as you were sharing all the finding out about the background you know and the reading up like that's a lot of prep work a lot of hard work as a leader sometimes that is unseen you know yeah, but I, I, I'm just amazed at how how much uh, someone needs to go into. Yeah, that really it that really come across even as you you share like a lot of uh, the prep work is so important in the reading, reading extensively. Right. Uh, I just cannot try to imagine how many books that and, and papers or all these things that you read. The second thing I I really was struck off is like uh, maybe the way you say it, like how you really need to go to the ground. Right and understand what's and happening, like taking the transport uh, yourself. That's what you know. I hear you say, so this staying in touch with the ground. Could you, could you, could you share more? Could you tell us more about that? Any any stories about how that helped you to, you know, be more effective as a leader? Well, uh, Victor, as I mentioned, I started to take public transport while I was in the Ministry of Transport in order to uh, personally experience what other commuters experience, as well as what the public transport workers 
what they have to do and how what they have to cope with. So I did this on both the train system, the MRT system, as well as the uh, bus, you know, the bus system. Mm. Uh, quite fortunately for me, uh, you know, to to get from my home to my office um, through both these uh, train and, and, and public means, I could do so quite uh, conveniently without having to change either train lines or, or a bus service. So I could uh, I could do it as, as part of my uh, normal routine. Uh, so I would try to do this uh, once a week if that was possible. Uh, though I must say it was not always possible because I would need to drive in the course of the day uh, to go for meetings after having gone to my office. So that that was uh, what I had to uh, kind of sometimes sacrifice. The other thing I tried to do was to attend to some public feedback uh, myself okay. instead of asking others to do we get a lot of public feedback in the Ministry of Transport so once uh, it, there was once when uh, a, a very senior private sector executive um, made a complaint to me he had my email address so he, he made it directly to me and essentially, he was a bit worked up, and his demand was that uh, that one of the road junction modifications that had been made by the Land Transport Authority at that time that it be reversed because he saw it as some doing having adverse uh, outcomes. And this this uh, road junction was very near to his office, and so we could see it from uh, where he was uh, working. So I. Uh, took the opportunity to uh, deal with that uh, feedback myself. I actually replied to him personally after getting information on the situation and using that information to explain to him why the change needed to be made. And I made it a point to try to get that uh, answer to him before the end of the day that I received the complaint from him. Um, so I thought uh, I should do that because um, like any other member of the public, if he makes a, a query, he makes a, a he, he perhaps even a complaint, uh, it, is, uh, it deserves a, a rapid response. Um, so the next morning, actually, he wrote to me again, rather oh. angrily. <laughs> uh, he, had, he's up, he had updated what he, he himself had observed. Uh, from his office and he gave additional reasons why there was a need to reverse the change in the modification on the road junction. So I decided that uh, this was not a case where he did not uh, understand the reasoning but that he may have uh, um, observed uh, you know, how this was, was or was not working and so uh, I, I gave some uh, credit to his observation and so I went down to the road junction myself to observe together with an LTA staff and we just walked through the, the situation, did some observation on the ground. Um, through that visit, um, we decided together with this uh, LTA colleague, we decided to make another minor additional modification to the junction. Um, and that could be done actually just overnight, quite quite a simple modification, and it could be done overnight. Uh, so so that night uh, they made a modification. So I wrote back to the complainant 
uh, and uh, this time after observing the, the additional tweak that we had made actually he was satisfied hmm. and uh, he did not uh, you know ask to reverse the original change anymore so it was it was a win-win in my view um, what he had uh, observed had been addressed but the the re- reason the rationale for making the road modification still stood um, and therefore mm. in that sense the the public interest was still addressed as well wow such a such a wonderful story you know larry as you're sharing this story there's just so many things i came across and i I mean, just for our viewers, I like to summarize. First thing that come across is like this idea of uh, seeing seeing from the user's perspective, right? I think it's like that's how you treated the feedback that came across to me. It's almost like I think we use the words like uh, we must know our stakeholders, right? And 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 the way they see things could be very different from us, right? And and that, that came across is like uh, the way you if I bring it back to your previous idea about uh, staying in touch with the ground like seeing the perspective of the uh, the user the stakeholder is quite important right so that's one thing second thing i i thought quite honestly when you were sharing is i'm quite amazed at just this um, uh, if i use the word the humility to just listen right the, the willingness to say okay so someone complained uh, what can i do right and and that that came across to me Right, and that's so important as a leader. I'm trying to imagine that if I'm one of your staff working with you, I was like, oh, it is, it's literally like that's that's a role model you know, of how we need to kind of like respond to um, kind of a feedback given. So that, that came across, I just want to share that quite inspiring right, for me, even, even though this is just a story of how you stay in touch with the ground. But you, in a sense, uh, if uh, my own personal thing is you get your hands dirty, <laughs> right? And you're willing to, to do it, right? And I think that's quite, that's quite some uh, inspiring. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, wow. As we, you know, as we talk about this, and I, it feels like, wow, the, the thread is still around people coming back to their leadership mindset and the belief you have. Uh, is there anything else? Um, any kind of leadership principle, if I would uh, ask you to share with our viewers today, what they can apply with all your years of experience, right? What are some nuggets that maybe we can get away from you, get get from you? Yeah, I, I think leadership is kind of um, learned. Uh, in a sense, to me, I was fortunate. I had many opportunities to learn and mm. you learn often by making mistakes, but being humble enough to go back and learn from the mistakes and then correcting it the next time around. So if there are any, uh, you know, sort of things that I um, now apply, uh, it, it is to um, really make sure that as a leader, I know what my goals are, or what my goals have to be. I need to be able to work out how to achieve them. And then I need to communicate those plans um, to different levels of co-workers, people who, who can uh, make this happen together with me. Mm. So there's both uh, an intellectual process that needs some very thorough homework, pulling together expert views to find uh, that, um, I would say, both ambitious but also attainable uh, set of goals. 
and then coming up with that realistic plan to achieve it. Um, and after that, the you know the communication, the dissemination of that uh, is to enable uh, that plan to go to everyone that we need to bring on board, and mm-hmm. that um, is something that uh, cannot be uh, too uh, I would say too overlooked in the process because it requires uh, repeated communication at many levels and also uh, conscious emphasis through different different avenues uh, because then there's a consistency that people can uh, register and can and can be part of yeah so i think it's quite uh, in that sense it's, it's quite a simple to me leadership is quite simple uh, but in in theory <laughs> but the actual execution requires uh, quite a lot of work yeah thank you thank you for that i I in most as you say it's like registering in me the the, the steps right and uh, at least in theory right and I, I caught three things with leaders must really know their plan well right uh, and and know their goals like right? know their goals be so clear about it and really think about how they want to get there and I think last when you talk about the continuous communication right at different level to get buy-in right as a leader myself um yeah, I don't feel like uh, that. The last part is sometimes the most difficult <laughs> and the, e- the easiest to overlook because it's also the most difficult getting buy-in, and then this deliberate communication process. Like, um, do you have any story to share with us? How how that you know even despite the difficult um, thing to get buy-in, uh, any success story to share um, in terms of this aspect? You have a goal. How do you? How do you get buy-in and, and that was a great outcome? Just wondering if you, in all your years of experience, could you share one story with us? Yeah, so um, when I first joined uh, the research institute that I work in today, I think like most uh, um, sort of more academic type institutions, our researchers um, used to decide on their own research plans on a more or less a, a bottom-up basis based on their own understanding of what the institute's broad goals and directions are. Um, I felt this was not the most beneficial or effective process by which uh, researchers and the institute could achieve what we wanted to uh, both on all sides. But it was also very clear to me that this is an academic culture that is uh, not so easy to change. Mm. Um, So after uh, grappling with this uh, issue for a while, um, what I decided to do was to uh, start a monthly meeting um, and to have all our research coordinators uh, to meet together. And in this uh, monthly meeting, um, we will gradually work together to improve collaboration and also slowly change the culture. Mm-hmm. As people saw the benefits of collaboration, uh, saw the benefit of meeting together, listening to each other, and uh, you know, sort of adjusting um, their own plans to be able to dovetail together, uh, it, it gradually uh, started to catch on. Um, it did take some time, uh, but I think because we persisted in this and you know this this has already now been going on for several years um, we also tweaked the format uh, we also tweaked 
the topics for our discussion when we met together for this monthly meeting as time went along so that uh, it can uh, you know sort of suit what is needed uh, and we have some uh, research coordinators who are, who are based overseas initially when we had these meetings um, they were kind of left out because uh, yeah we, we, we didn't think about uh, any way that we could bring them in but eventually uh, you know they wanted to join and we managed to facilitate it via Skype and then later on uh, using the Zoom uh, you know, uh, application. So of course, uh, when the pandemic came, <laughs> then everybody went on Zoom. But uh, again, you know, uh, it, it carried on uh, throughout the entire period. I think over time, um, this this meeting has become the, the most productive session that we oh. have at the institute, and it is really the nerve center for everything we do. Um, it's not a place where only one person talks. In fact, <laughs> I I I would say I do. Uh, the minority of the talking uh, in this meeting uh, but we talk about important issues and I do uh, of course give some feedback but not only me everyone uh, would be able to listen and also to comment on each other's work um, I think now everyone is happy to be part of it and uh, the reason for that is uh, because the, the new process or this process which is not new anymore <laughs> has proved to be helpful to their work so this this is uh, I guess my approach sometimes, which is a very difficult uh, ingrained matter that we need to change. Let's just start do it slowly and and you know assure people as they go along. This is this is not something that is uh, uh, imposed upon them, but really something to help them. And that when we do it this together, I think we are we'll all end up being better off. Oh, thank you. I actually, even as you share, I just yeah felt like uh, yeah this is it is really quite inspiring because it's, it it seems like a very long, obvious process. But as you share, I can almost feel like wow, it's very satisfying. You put in so much hard work, and then suddenly, not suddenly, but over time, people's voices started to come in. It's almost it became more inclusive. Like, and in your own words, you speak, you know, actually you don't speak a lot. Other voices begin to come in and, and there's a lot, a uh, lot more collaboration, right? And, uh, and it's a new culture that you set. Thank you for sharing this. Is, is because I guess sometimes we, we want results fast. Like I think buy-in could, could be really a matter of persisting and giving voices to people and setting a new culture. And I, I, I want to say that uh, I believe also part of your coming disposition, <laughs> you come across that way that you are uh, willing to let people have voices, right? And, and that, that was something also you come across as you share your story. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Larry, for sharing that. Uh, so viewers, um, I thought that this is a very short but very important wonderful deep dive uh, as we hear from Larry about um, his journey, his story of leadership. We hope that you are inspired. So that's all to today's Kabel's live chat and stay tuned. Right, um, there's, there are more to come. <laughs>